Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reed, and I'm Scarlett Moulton. And this week we are joined by the lovely Jessie Hayes. Now, Jessie, according to your Twitter bio, you are a writer and producer. Yeah. Um, you have just graduated from Royal Holloway with a degree in English. Uh, Jessie originally trained as a dancer but decided to change career paths after her first year. We will talk about what led her to this decision as well as many other topics during this interview. So to start off with, um, we're going to play a little word association game. (laughs) So just say the first thing that comes into your head. Right. Okay. Dancing. Love. Late shift. (laughs) Writing Stories Blog Jessie May Writes (laughs) Cheeky plug (laughs) Swan Lake White University Good times (laughs) Dissertation Non-existent (laughs) Money Again? (laughs) Unemployment. Why is this so difficult? Regular. (laughs) Crispy cream donuts. (laughs) The dream. (laughs) Okay, so let's start by getting to know you a little bit better. Where did you grow up? What's your what's your story? Um, so I grew up in North Wales. Um, yeah, right on the border. Um, just like literally the closest city to me is actually England um so I'm Welsh but not Welsh <laughs> I don't sound Welsh I sound more Liverpool um so yeah that's yeah, okay that's good I like I have a bit of like a like a potluck accent I think <laughs> it depends like where I am who I'm with <laughs> but yeah that's where I grew up <laughs> so you've told us that you spent 15 years at dance school um so you must have been about three when you started um how was kind of fitting all that in with your schoolwork and what were the highs and lows of spending so much time training while you were still a child really yeah I was that's actually kind of what made up a lot of my identity as a child is how much time I spent dancing how much time I spent training um I didn't just go to my own classes with dance I went to um the like the grades I'd already passed just to kind of like fitness stamina like improving all the time um, my dance school was really really great they let me do that um, but yeah, my, I was really, really lucky. My parents were very um, honest with me in that because they could see that I loved it so much. They were very like, okay, well, as long as you pass in school, we won't put any pressure on you. As long as you're not in trouble, <laughs> it's fine kind of thing. So yeah, that was, that was my identity because four till nine every evening I was, I was at dance. Um, my main friendship group was dance. It was very much a positive thing um all the work that I was doing then not to say there wasn't low times like low moments but it, it was very very positive and I was very lucky that I had the support of my parents who were you know just sort of said okay well if you enjoy it yeah go as far as you can go <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. so I'm in a similar situation to you so I started dance when I was really really young and I don't know if this affected you but as a child body image literally took over my life can you relate to that at all from from doing it from a young age and throughout your teenage years and your body changing and yeah well my my I kind of when I was doing when I was doing dance at dance school like part-time still going to still going to like um what's it called 
what's it called? Regular school, whatever that is. Yeah, mainstream. Yeah, mainstream. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, I was still, yeah, so I still, I, I think that actually helped me quite a bit because I knew there was a pressure to be a certain, look a certain way, but I never, I never felt it. The first time I felt it was when I did professional training. So I think, I think it's a lot of it was to do with the group I had um, at my dance school through my teens were all very, we knew we wanted to do dance or musical theatre, that kind of stuff, but there was always a sense of like we had such a good time together so like you know we'd all go from school to dance and on the way go to the corner shop and like eat like eat like, bin, do you know what I mean get sweets and it was still very much I'd say maybe when I got to like 16 18 it was it was more of a it was more of a struggle because of um auditions and things like that and then it started to feel like oh it's real you know I have to look like these people that I'm seeing on stage um but yeah for, I was very lucky I think I had a I had a bit of a buffer um, until I was about yeah about 16 I would say and um, then yeah 16 to 18 kind of amped up a bit more and then 18 was when I really saw a complete change um, yeah <laughs> and aside from dancing and normal school you said you had a really great time dancing um, did you ever struggle with your mental health as a teenager or was that something that started to affect you um, when you then went on to dance college um, no I've actually always struggled with mental health and um, I remember it was kind of a thing for me. It was almost like the opposite of um, uh, seasonal affective disorder, I think it's called, where you, know, you get sad in the winter. I used to find summer holidays so difficult when I was a teenager, from when I was about 13 to 16. And I, if, I think if I was going through that now, I would be able to understand it as, okay, I'm having difficulties with my mental health. Or, you know, I mean, at this time, if I was a teenager now, I think it's a, it's a lot more, it is a lot more spoken about. But at the time, it was very much like, especially for my family it was like Jesse you, you know you're so miserable you don't do anything but I found it really difficult um, especially with the introduction of social media which I was on a lot of social media from when I was 13 and it was everyone else is having a brilliant time everyone else is having a brilliant time and I'm not and I would feel so low and I would feel so I still get it now like if it's really sunny and I'm inside I feel like so guilty I'm like there's pressure there's pressure to be I'm not having a good enough time I'm not doing enough um, and yeah I think that was def definitely started um, in my teens and I also had a really awful um, my first relationship was when I was like 15 to 16 and that now I look back at it, I'm like oh god that was the worst thing of my mental health <laughs> but you know it's your first relationship and you don't know any difference so yeah I definitely from when I was 13 16 I, I did know what um, I would call it, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it was depression, but I definitely had sort of like depressive episodes um, where I just could not pull myself out of this mentality of everything's awful, even though it wasn't, I knew it wasn't awful, but it just felt like it was. And I just felt like I wasn't, um, yeah, doing enough. That was the main thing. Everyone else is having an amazing time and I wasn't. So yeah, it was, yeah, that was really difficult. <laughs> and I, th I think that that's something that people can definitely relate to that I've found this summer, if I was, cause it's been so nice. If I was inside, I'd be like, why am I, why am I not with my, why am I not in the park? Why am I not like having a cider in a, in a beer garden or something yeah. like what, what's wrong with me? But maybe I just needed a day inside or something. So yeah. Were you open with yourself? You said that obviously like you, you knew in, like from a young age that you did have kind of depressive episodes. Um, were you open with that or did it take you a while to really be aware of what it was and be honest with yourself and talk to people about it? Yeah, it took me such a long time, like I said, especially because um, I've, I felt like um, a lot of, like, well, not really my friends, because I seemed to be able to, when I was out, when I was out of, when I did go out, when I did see, like, socialise, I instantly felt a lot better, um, but I, I could tell there was a lot of frustration for my family that I wasn't 
as happy as happy as I sh- should have been really because you know they, I had a wonderful life like I had no I had no worries I should have had no stresses um, and that is something that I would say only in the past few years I've kind of recognized like yes I need to go if I'm feeling like that you need to go outside if you you know if you're feeling this way this is what it is I felt a lot of confusion and like guilt and yeah definitely never never sort of understood it as a mental health issue because that I, I don't know about you but for me that that just wasn't really around then like it is such a recent thing that we've started talking about it and being like people have mental health issues mental health is a thing for everybody that was not it was for me it was just like why do I feel so sad and I just couldn't understand it um yeah I can definitely relate and I, I don't even know if this is like a diagnosis but I'm a really happy bubbly person whenever I'm around people and I'll go home and be on my own and I'll I won't do anything I'll sit and I'll think overthink everything and I'll just be like feel really low but then I'll go out and be really happy and I don't know if that's I don't know what that is but like from what you just said I, I can relate that that's really similar and it's really interesting to know that someone else has that do you know what I mean it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a something that, well, I, I'm still not exactly sure of the definition of this, but I've met other people at university who were more kind of clued up on their mental health. And some of them called it, I think one of them said like her depression was like high functioning. So, and it's like she was still academically able to do everything and she was still, you know, but when she was on her own or when she wasn't, when she didn't do well in, you know, an essay or something, it it was it, it, she, had, she had depression but because it was high functioning she was still able to do stuff like that and I always thought oh, okay like okay maybe I wouldn't say oh high functioning depression but I would say that like high functioning is a good way to describe like how my mental health works in that yeah when I'm on my own it, it sort of everything does hit me and it and it, it it's a lot to take and then if I'm with people and I'm having a good time I'm like yeah the happiest bubbliest person and it's just like two different people it really is yeah for sure and I think that's one thing to know is that there's not one way that you should feel when you've got mental health issues or when you've got depression like there's so many different levels that you can have it and like, I definitely can relate to that kind of high functioning thing like I think I, I, I like to come across as quite like a well put together like organized person like I socialize quite a lot but then like I'll there'll be days when I'm sitting on my bed and I'll be like sitting staring at my tv and it won't even be on and I'll be like oh okay I'm not doing anything and it's yeah I understand that all right <laughs> So, you auditioned for dance college and were successful. Was that when you were 18? Yes. Uh, yeah, when I was 18, I auditioned. Um, but I got onto the, I got onto a couple of full-time courses um, and then didn't get funding for any of those. But I also got the um, London Studio Centre Foundation. So in the end, because um, that was so much cheaper, <laughs> um, yeah, in the end, my parents were like, you, we will pay you for, for you to do that one. Um, because, yeah, I got into like five others, but didn't get funding and it just wasn't going to be feasible. They were like, we can maybe pay for you to do a year, and see how it goes from then. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you obviously decided to leave, um, kind of changed careers after a year. Was that main issue was the main issue the money the funding or was it um mental health issues that led you to this decision or it was actually a combination of everything that then resulted in really really poor mental health um so yeah so I did the foundation course so the whole thing was you're still gonna have to audition again so it was like I'd done this huge awful year where I'd auditioned at like 15 schools been really really happy because I got into like half then found out I didn't get funding, <laughs> then was like, oh, yay, I can go to London Studio Centre. Um, and then started London Studio Centre, like, oh, wait, this is another year of, like, to kind of, like, trying again. 
Um, so yeah, so I did auditions um, all over again, and I got a place at London Studio Centre, and I, I would have been able to afford it because they do partially fund, um, like you get a half a loan there, um, which is better than other places. <laughs> um, yeah, so and I would have been able to afford it, but I the whole year had just worn me down so much. I we were only a group of about thirty, and we became now I look back at it I'm like we became like very like reclusive as a group all we talked about at lunchtime was what we were eating all we talked about at lunchtime was what we were eating then and what we were going to eat like later that was all we talked about um there were, I think a lot of people found that year really 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 difficult um but for me it was I was working alongside doing the you know the 40 hours a week um so I was doing yeah nine to like five and then I was going to um, a McDonald's where I worked doing 7 p.m till 2 a.m and then going home and then getting up to be able to afford the next year <laughs> so I was just exhausted and I'd had this kind of not, not a revelation I don't think it was a revelation by that point but I'd started to realize there was bits of the industry that I wasn't going to be happy in um, I started to think I, I was never going to be the type of I was, I, I was never going to have a look I was never going to I was always going to be like conflicted if I was in it. I'd always be thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to audition for this, but I kind of don't agree with how this is done. And um, I found that quite difficult. And especially I had certain teachers who actually weren't um, like um, staff. They were guest teachers who really, really like, I remember one of them really, really upset me. And, you know, I just had to leave. And I was in the toilet for about two hours crying. And then was like, I'm just going to have to go home because I just couldn't take it. And it was the kind of attitude to that was like, this is the industry, toughen up. And it was like, what? And, you know, I got to the end of the year and I, yeah, just sort of had this massive breakdown and was like, Mom, I can't do it. I'm not going. And my mom was like, what? You know, you've done this for 16 years. Like, how can you? And I was sort of thinking, you know, my I, my whole identity is going to have to change. I don't know what I am without dancing. Um, but then like a year on, I kind of understood it a lot more. And I was like, actually, there was a lot of things wrong <laughs> with that year. Um, and, you know, maybe it wasn't entirely like it wasn't entirely not my fault do you know what I mean I sort of let go of having guilt over it of like quitting because I think that's a massive massive thing is that nobody wants to quit and it you know quitting is like the worst thing you can do um but I did it and it was okay <laughs> so yeah what would you say to people to anyone who's in a similar situation to you struggling thinking actually I don't think this is right for me but don't want to quit what would you say to them um I would say um because I've written about this actually, and this is this is what I struggle with. Yeah, it's not it's not you're not quitting your dream if it's not your dream anymore. Do you know what I mean? You're you're getting another one. You're, you're doing another. <laughs> what you can't see is um, me and Scarlett completely agreeing with everything that Jesse is saying. <laughs> but yeah, that's massively. And it took me like two years to kind of like real like phrase that in the like you know little paraphrase line I just gave you then but yeah it's not it's not it's not quitting if, if it's not what you want to do anymore do you know what I mean and you shouldn't feel any guilt about that and there is so much of that I think just in life anyway even on like aspirational cushions that are like you know live laugh love um those ones that one that's like just get up and go just travel just like you can't you don't have the money like no one has money <laughs> like it's great to have a cushion that says that but it's just not gonna happen um so yeah like I'm just very against aspirational cushions apparently <laughs> I think you wrote about that in your blog didn't you yes. yeah I did. um so just final question on the kind of whole career swap thing what was the response from your family and friends and in particular kind of your dancing and drama school friends what was their response 
Um, yeah, so I, now I look back and I'm like, it was really cruel how I did this actually because I decided in like the morning and I was like, mum, come and get me. I can't do it. I was like, I've just realised I have to quit. And then to most other people, I put it on Facebook. <laughs> so I just put a Facebook status, massive Facebook status, like it is my dream, but I'm not happy and I'm just going to have to stop. So I had all these messages and like my dance teacher in particular, like sent me this m massive essay and it was like trying to persuade me to stay. I, I think she didn't think I was as far gone as I was. She was like, you could do this, you could do this, blah, blah, teaching, no, no, no. And I was like, no, it, it's just it for me. And I did find that quite difficult that reaction my dancing friends were wonderful <laughs> um and of the five of us actually there's only two who've actually ended up doing um doing dance i mean they're doing amazingly like they're doing fabulously but the other three of us have ended up not um they the other two kind of fell out of it before me a bit more like naturally <laughs> not like no <laughs> stop um but yeah it was difficult and to be honest i don't actually think it was the reaction everybody was very supportive but i didn't know who I was <laughs> without it like even my friendship group was called the dancers is what people used to call us so I was like I don't I don't have a, like a name <laughs> I don't have an identity I don't so I went to Italy for a month <laughs> and I suppose that even relates to people to dancers who get severe in injuries and have to quit it's exact yeah. same like but in a sense of like losing grief. Yeah, yeah grief like yeah yeah because well there's actually somebody in my year at LSE who was injured for like half of it and that was like devastating to watch her having to watch kind of like you know a class and there was some there's sometimes where she literally just cried do you know what I mean with the music and watching everyone do what you want to do it is so difficult um and that is something I found hard because actually my I don't know how this hasn't come up yet my sister does dance and she's just um finished her three years she's going on a cruise um but the first time I kind of stepped back into dance after quitting was to see her show um, a year later, and my mum was like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, I actually don't know. I was like, if I have to leave, I have to leave. Like, if it upsets me too much. Um, but I, it was a to totally the opposite of what I expected. I have never enjoyed watching dancing so much, and I've never been so proud of someone, ever. Because it was like, I was like free of it. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no sadness. I was watching it as an audience member and really, really enjoying it and not being like, I'm not that good. I'm not that skinny. Um, you know, I, this is so difficult. I want to be in that dance. There was none of that anymore. I was free of it. And that's how I know it was the right decision. Um, yeah. <laughs> you then went on to university to study English. Why did you make this decision? Um, it took me a year to make this decision. Um, and... I actually worked in a restaurant. I worked in a restaurant for the that year and they actually wanted me to stay and be a manager and like I said, I had no identity. So I was like, maybe I should. I like having money. It's quite nice. Um, and then I'd kind of been looking at university courses the whole year, looking at doing something more vocational. Like I was looking at like digital marketing and like event production and that kind of stuff. And then I was like, if I choose that, I might be stuck again like I was with dance, which was my thing with, I got to the end of that year with dance being like, oh my God, I don't want to do it. And also now I can't do anything else <laughs> because I dedicate my whole life. So I thought, okay, what can I do? You know, marketing and communications and event production after a degree. And I was like, oh, English has all those things. I think I'll, I'll do that. And I always loved reading. So it did kind of make sense. I mean, I'm not massively into the classics, but um, I thought that the university I went to was kind of like, middle of the, the road I was like I'm pretty sure I could go I'll try it have a good time come out with a degree see what happens after that really it was very like um organic the decision <laughs> yeah and I was really really um against being passionate about it like if that makes sense because I was like I cannot have my heart broken by my career again I was like I'm not setting my heart on anything I'm doing the degree and I'll see what happens there wasn't like a I am now going to be a producer 
that just came out of what I did while I was at uni. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what did happen? Sorry. <laughs> and what did happen? <laughs> so yeah. So while I was at uni, um, I was um, because I knew how difficult it was to get jobs. Um, I tried really hard to do like a lot of stuff while I was there. So I wrote for um, the uni paper, um, and then. I started my blog and then the uni paper asked me to write for them again because I had my blog and then I also worked for an arts organisation who I love called Poet in the City um, and they did like this kind of scheme where like you basically work with them for like a year um, every two weeks and you just got to produce poetry events and I was like hmm, not sure if I'm a poetry fan but kind of want to learn about event production so I did that um, and that was amazing like they it's a really good scheme they just give you money to like do what you want to do <laughs> they're like here's some money we'll teach you like how to ask poets to come to your thing we'll teach you how to do an event but you, you do whatever you want so we did some really awesome stuff we did an event on power and oppression and we did another event where we did like time traveling women um and then i finished that and then i've actually done um freelance producing for them since then as like a graduate of the scheme so I did an event at the National Gallery in June which was really really good um, so yeah and then I also started working for an arts events website and that was all just like part-time stuff I did through uni and everyone thought I was mental while I was doing it and then now I'm the only one employed <laughs> after my degree so you're amazing you're amazing so what were the differences in how you approach your mental health during university in comparison to at dance college um Basically, I remember even in the first week, I said to somebody that I was with, I was like, wow, there's so much stuff around, like, asking if you're okay, and, like, just posters, like, are you okay, um, check in with this person, see the counsellors available this time, and I was like, this is so weird, there was none of this at dance college, and, and my, this person, not my friend, my, this person that I just met, like, two days before that was like, what, that's really weird, like, they have to look after you, you pay them, and I was like, oh <laughs> and I was like yes <laughs> that is true and that was kind of the start of my like epiphany um and yeah from from then on I I mean I didn't even I I did use actually and I didn't expect to I had that kind of epiphany and then I actually used a lot of the mental health services there at the end of my first year I had a really tough time um not really because of university because of outside stuff but was it was so easy it, I like already had the leaflet in my room like stuck on a wall of like just um go in and see this person and they'll give you a form to fill out and then they I think it's like the next day like 2 p.m you can go and see this lady who was great and then even after that it wasn't like a, okay see you later it was like she was like I think we should meet another time come back next week this time it was amazing I mean it's not perfect there is a lot of things there was a lot of things wrong with the uni mental health um like system um my best friend was the head chair of the mental health network which like worked to make those services better and there was a lot of issues but it was a million miles better than anything I'd heard of in vocational professional like training performing arts training so yeah it was massive massive difference massive like slap in the face kind of thing (laughs) and I think I think we should say when did you start uni 2015 so obviously like I we've noticed in the past like couple of years there's been a massive drive towards mental health so I think in drama schools things are starting to change um yeah I know the MTA have a massive drive towards um mental health within drama schools and just kind of the creative arts in general so it is changing but you are so right because these unis have all this funding and so many people there's a lot more facilities really available great so we're going to talk about your blog um which is called jesse may writes um the biography of the blog states 
Uncle Vernon is right. There is no post on Sundays except here, where there's a new post every Sunday at 5pm. Expect books, food and rambly thoughts. Do you post every Sunday? <laughs> no. <laughs> but still, I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, who doesn't love a good Harry Potter quote? So I appreciate it. Um, in, in your view, what is the main purpose of your blog? You've already spoken about starting up while you were at uni, but what kind of drove you to start this blog? Um, this, yeah, I started this blog because I actually wanted to have one from when I was like 14 and my mum was always, always telling me, oh, you need to have one, Jesse, you're a really good writer, you need to have one. And I was like, no, no. And then it got to, when did I, yeah, I did my first year of uni when I was like, you know, rediscovering myself, not being a dancer. Um, and I was like, no, I'm going to like bite the bullet. And if people are horrible about it, people are horrible about it and they are not good friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, it started off as that. And to be honest, if, when I look at what I first posted, it was very different to what it's turned into. Um, if When it first started, it was very much like lifestyle blog. And then I did one post that was more like um, personal essay. And it, the reaction was like insane. Like, it, 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 you, know, you know it's starting to get, you know it must be good when you're getting, when I started to get more um, like hits than I had like Facebook friends. So I knew it wasn't my circle anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was like that. Um, so yeah, and then now it's kind of turned into, it's a lot more that. It's like personal essay and very like, creative writing um because i did a lot of that in uni so yeah <laughs> it's very good you should all check it out um so it, i read one of your recent articles um on your blog and it was about post-graduation blues did you graduate in 2018 yes. yeah so um i can definitely relate to the post-graduation blues i remember it was even before i'd graduated because i left college in the may and we didn't graduate till the september but the first monday after we finished college i woke up at 8 15 and went oh my god i'm late i was like i'm gonna be late for college and then i didn't really know what to do with my day so for those who haven't read your blog um what was the post-graduation blues for you yeah, for me, it was really weird because I kind of preempted that I would get them. So I tried to do everything I could to make sure that I wouldn't um, because I'm such a, I need to have stuff to do. I need to be busy. I need to have my next moves. Do you know what I mean? I, I need all that. So yeah, the post-graduation blues for me actually came a little bit later when, because I had stayed in my uni house until I only moved out like a few weeks ago. I still had it for a while. Um, so for me, kind of everything ended really slowly. Like I finished my degree and then a month later was graduation. And then a month later, a lot of my friends left. And then the month after that, I left my house. Um, but for me, the, the moment where it hit was I was walking back to my uni house and I went past the pub where, you know, I'd been with a lot of times with my friends. Like, and um, there was just another group outside, like laughing. And it was just like all of a sudden like everything hit me and it was like not having that like network and community and um, I wouldn't say support system but like obviously it's where you've been for three years and in that three years the end goal is to graduate so of course you're going to feel completely lost when you have it do you know what I mean so 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 difficult um, but yeah and that, like I said I was I so preempted it that I was applying for jobs two months before I graduate before I even finished my degree because I was like I need to have a job as soon as I finish because I just knew I would absolutely crumble if I didn't so <laughs> yeah absolutely and speaking from an actress point of view um that because I didn't go straight into a job so I was like what do I do and um it's really good that you were able to take control of what you were what you were doing and I guess that that did that have a positive effect on your mental health that you knew kind of what your goal was and you had some sense of control over what your the rest of this year was going to be for you 
Yeah, definitely. And and that's, again, one thing that in the end made me um, leave um, professional dance training is because I was more and more coming to terms with the fact that the, the lack of control I would have over my life if I was in performing arts, because it is such a volatile, like unpredictable industry. Um, and I knew I wasn't, you know, even in my college I wasn't one of the best so I was thinking okay so it's not going to be yeah and it's not going to be um it's not going to be easy it's going to be a constant fight if I do have a job I don't know where it will be if it's a place that I like or not it doesn't matter I have to take it um so that was one of the reasons I was like there is a lot more choice um in you know if, if I if I go to uni or if I do something else um so yeah that's and that and it was so much I mean it was hard it was hard I did it, I did like 15 applications and got interviews for like three and then got the job offer for one it was difficult and I wouldn't say it wasn't because I wouldn't you know it, it, it was and I don't want it to sound like I'm putting down like you know normal jobs but it wasn't as hard as, <laughs> as performing arts would be it is another level it is just so competitive um, and yeah I think that was the realization in the end for me was that I needed to have that control um, and yeah and now I have it <laughs> kind of <laughs> So why is writing important to you? Um, writing is really important to me because it is the only other creative outlet I've had other than um, dance, performing arts kind of stuff. Um, I used to absolutely love improvisation and like choreography and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, never really thought I'd find that buzz anywhere else um, of, you know, creating something and then showing it to people and seeing what they say. Um, uh, but writing has been that writing has been that for me and and I've had people say do you know what I mean people especially when I wrote when I wrote about quitting um dance I've had people be like it's a good thing you did because you're amazing at this <laughs> so that was like affirmation for me like okay all right then yeah <laughs> like yeah it's a good thing I quit because like, maybe I wasn't as I would never have been as good as I wanted to be at dance whereas with writing I have absolutely no expectations so when someone's like I really related to what you wrote I'm like wow <laughs> um so it's just really enjoyable I, I do love it um yeah <laughs> That's so great. Um, Jessie's got lots of really great posts on her blog, uh, so go check it out. Uh, you can find the link on Jessie's Twitter page, which is at Jessie May Writes. Um, so talking about writing and kind of what your job is at the moment, uh, what support, if any, is there for people in your line of work who are struggling with mental health issues? Um, yeah, this is uh, this is difficult because I, I mean, right now I have actually have two jobs technically so obviously the producing I do is like freelance so it's kind of on and off whenever I have a job um but yeah the so I, I write for children's arts website and that is that has actually been really hard because it's it's remote I, I do all the work remotely um and it all has to be done on a certain day it has to be done on like a Monday by like midnight um and that kind of unpredictable work <laughs> and like work routine um I found quite difficult sometimes and because I don't have you know an office that I go and sit in it's very difficult to like turn myself off that because often in the week there'll be things that crop up um it'll be oh can you write an article for this can you do this can you do this and I find it really difficult to not be like always oh, on my emails and things like that um which has been hard but then because it's part-time it's been a lot I don't know it's it's not it's not taken over it's not taken over my life I'm quite clued up on support that's available because um of my of my time at uni I was really um into kind of like getting the most out of that and like I said my best friend was the chair of mental health network so she knew a lot about the kind of different procedures and and, and like places you get support so now I'm quite 
I'm quite good at being able to find it for myself, if that makes sense, because I do know what I need. Um, but I will say that one thing, again, that kind of like, um, like shocked me and, and made me realise maybe that the arts industry does need a bit a bit more um, help is, because I also work at a cancer charity now, um, and they, where I work is they're absolutely amazing at like well-being. Um, you know, if I do an extra hour work at home, if I live tweet a show, they're like, okay, so um, you get that off, you get an hour off, tell us when you're going to take it. They're very, you know, there's a mental health like support plan somewhere in the like contract. Like there's all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, that it's really there. Um, in, in certain, for certain organizations, they are really, really great at, um, at making sure that support is like really in your face. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which I just think it needs to be standardized across everything. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, there's there's sickness pay, isn't there? And you can take a day off if you're feeling unwell. Um, you're like, oh, I've got a cold today, whatever. But I still think it's becoming a lot better, as we say. But I still think if you called up and were like, oh, I, I'm just having a bad mental health day, people would be like, yeah, but we really need you in the office. So can you just come in? Whereas if you had... Um, a stomach bug they'd be like oh no don't come and don't don't come in yeah um yeah that's definitely something that I'm hoping is we're all hoping is changing yeah cool so let's talk about your charity uh performers in mind why did you initially set this up um so yeah when I um quit a dance college and then yeah I had kind of that year where I like had a bit of a revelation about like oh maybe things that have gone wrong I actually said then, oh, if I ever have money, like lots of, if I'm ever really rich, I, I'm going to put it into mental health in the performing arts industry, in the creative arts industries. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like, just like one of them things that you say. And then it got to um, earlier this year um, and my sister, who was still in dance college, actually contacted me, um, just sent me a text um, about someone they were really, really worried about. Um, and they weren't sure if the, um, the college was helping um, her or what kind of what the situation what the situation was there and it was kind of affecting all of them and I sent her this massive big message you know okay this is what you can do I was like I've had a look at these different um, places around where your college is this 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 these options and I did it all and I was just like why what like why is that not already a thing <laughs> I was like why is there not you know what either not to say that it's not the college's fault I, everything's underfunded or like all this kind of stuff but I was like how has nobody made that resource before for you know the um the different um performing arts institutions so yeah and then I was like you know what I'm waiting to be rich and I'm not gonna be because I'm a writer <laughs> And, and like working in charity comms do you know what I mean I was like I'm not gonna be rich so I was like I'll just have to start now <laughs> before I've got the money <laughs> see what happens um so yeah that yeah that's why <laughs> um and on that note what do you hope to achieve with your charity so basically we have like two aims um and one of them is to kind of provide better provide support where it's missing um in like mental health sort of services for um performing arts students and performing arts like employees yeah people who do yeah <laughs> people in the industry um but then the second thing is also to kind of campaign for a change in just the whole industry in my opinion just needs a bit of like a like an overhaul um just in because it, it no one's doing anything no one's doing anything horrible i don't think people people aren't doing anything purposefully to make it hard to speak about mental health issues but it's just it's in the language we're using every day it's in the oh toughen up it's in the oh have a lettuce leaf for lunch ha ha, ha. It, it's in all of that stuff that that's where it um lies so yeah that's like 
the long-term aims but, but um short term we're actually next month gonna do a fundraiser for oh you're getting exclusive because i'm not putting this anywhere until tomorrow <laughs> um yeah sorry p- people who are listening aren't getting exclusive <laughs> but you are um yeah so we're fundraising and working with this um uh, really really great lady um called sophie she does counseling workshops um like counseling like mental health kind of like well-being support for performing arts students um, so we're going to fundraise for f- um, some of those and actually we're going to like um, ask people to nominate their schools um, and however much we fundraise we're just going to give um, that many, <laughs> that much <laughs> to um, Sophie to run these workshops in different um, schools as like a starter thing. We do want to like register as a charity and do more of that but I wanted to do something now. <laughs> I was like what can I do now that's going to make an impact and going to be like we're here, tell us what to do because also I'm, I'm aware that I don't want it to be just my opinion. Um, because we did, we did like a survey and stuff at the start to to see if it was something that people thought was maybe needed and, and it, 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 the results are in and it's yes. <laughs> well, completely. And we can definitely relate to that because, I mean, at the time of this recording, uh, our first episode is going out next Thursday. It's currently Saturday. But we launched our social media two weeks ago and the response we've had has been so overwhelming. And people have been like, this is exactly what we need. We need to talk about this. And when we normalise it is when it doesn't cease to be a problem but it just becomes part of our everyday life like being ill does like going to the shops it's it is what it is uh you actually an- uh, answered my next question which was about your fundraising events coming up and obviously we would love to um stay involved with you with that and help um help promote that we'd absolutely love that um cool so what three things do you do that can help you get out of a bad headspace Ooh. Um, I have a list on my phone, like a really, really short list. This is this is one of them. <laughs> I just, um, I mean, just a really, really short list, and it's literally, um, it says, um, get up, walk outside, um, shower, have a glass of water. I think um, maybe like brush your teeth. Yeah. It has those things. Um, and if I'm ha- having a really, really bad day, I try and force myself to do, even if I'm just like, just do one of them, even if that's all I can do. Um, and I have that on my phone because it, like it. I think sometimes it actually does get to the point where I do need to be reminded and that though like I've written those things down because they work <laughs> and those things will start to get me out of a, a bad headspace um so that's like my like go-to um but also I'm one I'm very guilty of um doing too much and then completely burning out <laughs> um, so my uh, one of the things I'm trying to be better at now is um not putting so much like pressure on myself which is one of the things I always talk about in my blog because I get so mad at myself when I don't do a post on Sunday and then one of my friends said to me once she was like but who 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 is angry about there not being one she was like it's just you she was like who said you needed to do one every Sunday and I was like me and she was like so yeah like it's fine um so and I now I try and think of it like that like do you know what I mean nobody pays me to do the blog like I I do it because I enjoy it um, so yeah, I try and try and do that. And like um, recently, because I've have had quite a few jobs, I've tried to. I'm doing less now with one of them. I'm I'm trying to like have a better balance so that I don't burn out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I can't think of anything else. I think I've only got two. <laughs> so just to finish off the whole question section, do you think that you could walk into a room right now with? be it your friends your colleagues like an interview whatever and say I'm having a bad mental health day friends like definitely um from what from where I've been employed recently I'm a lot more encouraged that I would 
be able to but um, because I've seen somebody else say that you know I'm just they've been in the office but they've been like I'm just having a really bad mental health day sorry that I just messed that spreadsheet up do you know what I mean that kind of thing Um, but I still think it takes a lot of courage to say that and especially in I think you know I say oh yeah I could say that to my friends but I think I'd find it harder to say that to my friends if I was you know calling them from home saying I'm actually not coming to something we've organized because I'm having do you know what I mean I think there's still that um, risk of sort of feeling guilty um, like letting people down when it shouldn't be that way like you said if I called them and said I've got a stomach bug they'd be like thank god you're not coming <laughs> so I think yeah it, it, I say I say yes and I want to mean it like 100% but I think yeah there would always be a, um, a part of me that would feel like perhaps people weren't ready to to hear it um, yeah <laughs> that's a question we're going to ask everyone at the end it was Scarlett's idea actually um of do you think you could walk into it because you should be able to if someone's like how are you having a really bad mental health day yeah you should be able to do that so just to finish off on a wee light note go and play another game because why not so i'm gonna finish the sentences right so i'm just gonna say a sentence and then just whatever response you you think it'll be self-explanatory um dance college taught me that It's okay not to be tough. When I graduated, I thought that... My life was starting. (laughs) To clear my head, I like to... Go for a walk. My favourite Netflix binge watch is... Jane the Virgin at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is such a big question. In the future, I want to... Be successful. No parameters on that. What that is. <laughs> Just be successful. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Jesse, thank you so much. This has been such an insightful interview and me and Scarlett have loved it. Um if you would like to be featured on the podcast, uh, give us an email. We're at industrymindsuk at gmail.com. You can keep up to date on everything that's going on at, at industrymindsuk on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are on apple podcasts make sure you subscribe and give us a cheeky five-star review so that people can find us thank you so much for listening and we will see you very very soon